0: All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hello and welcome along to 101 Part-Time Jobs. I'm Giles Bidder and I speak to bands, musicians, artists about what they've done along their way, how they've survived. And my aim is to get out some funny stories, some of the part-time jobs they've had. We're very lucky for Matt Beatty from pigs, 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 Pigs to be joining us on this episode. Their record, Viscerals, that came out last year is an absolute stonker. And this is Crazy and Blood is the track you're listening to behind this. I'm sure if you're listening to this, then you know it. And I hope you play it loud after this episode. But Matt's got some great stories. He's working at an independent publisher called Wipeout Music. Go and have a look and see what they're doing. And he's got some brilliant tales from his life along the way. So, cheers for coming. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please do tell your friends. And one thing, one feature I want to start is getting your stories. So, if you've got a story about a horrible or brilliant or tragic or profound story from a part time job or a real, you know, full time job that you've had in the past, record it on a voice note and send it over to me at 101 part time jobs podcast at gmail.com and we'll get it in a future episode all right here's matt Beatty from pigs 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 signature brew are the official beer of 101 part-time jobs they've made beers with the darkness mastodon idols slaves and if you go onto their website signaturebrew.co.uk and you live in the uk you can get beers delivered directly to your door with the voucher code 101 podcast all capitals you can get 10 percent off all right here's matt go wealth cheers viscerals is such a great album it's so so good and i guess that's the first thing i want to ask you about is it's really kicked off in the last in in the last year or so and so what does that feel like
1: now um it was obviously very exciting very exciting time I've, i've always said that it was uh largely unexpected (laughs) um we we, you know it's it's not it's not something we ever envisioned really or, or particularly pushed for I mean we were in a band you know it's it sounds cliche but we were in a band to just have fun and have a laugh with it and you know we we did want to you know you've got your bucket list and you've got like certain festivals on your bucket list that you wanted to play or certain bands that you'd want to play with and and fortunately we were we were able to do that you know there were the amazing like quite left field festivals in in the uk um supersonic and uh, super normal being ones that spring to mind and we, and we got to play them and and we were just really happy with that and and then you know everything Kind of felt a little bit like we were taking, you know, we, we we felt when we were aware of the steps forward we were taking. You know, we 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 would travel from. Newcastle down to London on a weekend and just do the one show and then drive back to Newcastle again but we enjoyed doing it you know even though it (laughs) quite often took like seven hours to get to Brixton or whatever but we enjoyed doing it we were meeting amazing people and and just having a a great time doing that we did that for a long time we we did that for, for like four years before we put out our our debut album the the debut full-length album anyway and we were just kind of you know just gigging just doing gigs on on a weekend before then as i say just going down to london doing one gig coming back going to glasgow doing one gig coming back you know
0: you mentioned having a bucket list earlier you know did that kind of change in that time did it sort of
1: evolve it does change it it morphs over time um because you kind of I suppose you you always have a grasp on of, of, of kind of where you're at and, and what feels achievable. I think particularly, I, I don't know if this is unfair, but, you know, I've been playing music for a long time and I've seen it in a lot of people where musicians can have kind of unrealistic expectations as to what they want to do or what at least they see as like being the goal and not, I suppose, valuing the worth of where they're at currently and just kind of enjoying where they're at in the present moment. But as you kind of travel along, you you do start to get a sense of like, oh, oh hang on a minute, maybe, maybe we could do that festival now or, may, or maybe we can like, I mean, one of the, the big things for, you know, the big first steps for us was even just headlining a show in London that was like oh wow they want us to like there was a great promoter at the time and he was like oh yeah you come down and and it was just at the brixton windmill and and he was like oh no yeah we want you to headline it was like wow really okay and we went down the the show sold out and to date that's still one of you know that that sticks in my mind as one of the best gigs we've ever played It, it was brilliant and you know once you've kind of done that it's like oh well Maybe next time we play in London, we could do a bigger, slightly bigger venue. Um, so you, you're kind of always doing that, and like most recently, well, our last—I mean, it feels like it was a, about a decade ago now—but you know, the, we we headlined a show at the Scala as part of the, the the touring that we did for King of Cowards, and that sold out. Now, when we booked that show, you know, our manager and booking agent were like, "Okay, so." We're thinking that the next step up for you now, because we did Moth Club just as that album came out, and that sold out. And again, we were just like, "Oh wow, that's that's brilliant, that's amazing."
0: Yeah, great venue.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. It was so hot and humid. It was, (laughs) it was a little bit terrifying. Actually, I remember like humid and everywhere
0: sparkly. Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. Just like this shimmering gold in your eyes, like blinding, and and everything's wet. (laughs) um but yeah we did that and and that was great and then yeah it was like okay so the next one you're gonna do in london is the scala and we were like whoa i mean that at the time the promotion and the stuff around the album it did feel like it had bubbled up a little bit and like moved on from what we had from the the previous album but it still didn't feel like well we can we can we can Play the Scala and sell a decent enough you know, amount of tickets, not to embarrass ourselves, you know. And it and it went from there, really. And yeah, so we we played that show, that sold out. That was a um, you know incredible. That's another one that kind of sticks in my mind as like a real, like a, not a turning point, but like you know, it was a mile. It felt like a milestone, like being there and like seeing so many people and just being like, whoa, something like something's really happened here. And then, of course, like once you once you've done that, you, yeah, you do you do have the the bucket list. It was like, oh well, maybe we could play it somewhere like Green Man or you know, End of the Road Festival. And so, um, yeah, your your ambitions kind of do evolve and develop, I suppose. But I, I do think it's important not to like start a new band today and go right, okay, so let's uh, we we, we want to be playing Glastonbury next year. It's like, well. Cool. you You drive yourself crazy doing stuff like that, I think. And I've been in bands in the past where I think we've maybe had unrealistic expectations. And it just puts like a real downer on what you're trying to do. You know, it just frustrates. That's all it does. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. I was in a band called Great Cynics and it was a band that <laughs> I started. Name.
1: Sorry. It's a good name.
0: Well, we actually we actually had to change it. I was called Cynics. I played in as an acoustic project when I was like 18, put out our first album on Household Name Records, which right. was, yeah. f- for me, fucking
1: huge. You know, I'm like a light year cap down. Yeah, I was going to say, it was outside the, the like ska punk record label, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. But when, when we released that record, I mean, that really like hits a church bell with inside of me because, yeah. you know, w- those first couple of years, I was like, wow, this is so cool. You know, I get to experience this with not only my friends, but with strangers, you know, it was a real incredible feeling. Uh-huh. And then after a few years, I definitely, you know, with, with retrospect, I can, I can say this and, you know, be thankful that I guess I've learned something, but at the time it's a horrible feeling. Cause I kind of went over the, to the dark side in the way that I was thinking, let's get that press person. Let's try and get that booking agent. And yeah. I was always looking outside of within myself. Sure. Yeah. and that was my big mistake
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's you know it's it's nothing to be ashamed of though like like I said no, I, no. I, I've, I've been in those positions in the past as well and and like you say you just have moments of reflection on those and go oh yeah maybe that wasn't the healthiest way to kind of approach what what we were doing
0: but in a wonderful sense it's like you know looking forward you still know that you love playing music you still know that you can see the appreciation from that real like First, pure feeling. I mean, for you, is it is it a case of holding on to that? It, did, have you had to kind of rearrange, re, you know, re, uh, refocus yourself to make sure you're thinking about that and not anything else? You know, have you got friends or, or loved ones who who kind of help remind you of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, one of the one of the hardest things I think for me fr- from the you know the the pandemic and the situation that we've been in. Obviously, we put out viscerals right at the start of the pandemic really it was it was just as like the full lockdown was coming in really I think we were like two two weeks three weeks into the in the first lockdown and and our album came out and at the time it was just (laughs) you know obviously it was like I kept laughing to myself because I was like this is literally you know in the in the very real sense of that word the worst time ever in my lifetime to have released a new album like this is the worst time but you know it it had to go ahead and yeah one of the hardest things I think moving on from the initial support that we had which was really overwhelming and really good and and actually I, I looked Back and and think of that initial time. You know, obviously there was chaos going on in the world, and and that was you know really horrible situations happening. But from like a a, a very personal sense, anyway, it was like I look back at those few weeks or a couple of months quite fondly because it it gave me and the rest of the the guys in the band some amount of positivity. Um you know we were chatting to a lot of people we were reading real nice reactions to the album people you know really took to the album which was great because at that point it was all a bit unknown it was like okay so what does happen when albums come out now <laughs> but one of the biggest things as time went on and the months went on and like that initial kind of bloom of activity around the album and around the band started to wane it was losing i don't know i f- I feel like the hardest thing for me was not having the live shows and having the you know the connection with people like that's always been the the real fundamental of the of the band like like I said, you know we spent four years just gigging and and meeting people and just having a cool time on the road and you know, that, that's that been, always been the most important thing for me and the most enjoyable thing for me. You know, obviously reading reactions to uh, album releases is is a really nice thing and it's, it's wholesome and fulfilling, but without having that kind of real human connection,
0: it gets difficult. It is about chatting to someone in a smoking area sometimes. That will be, you know, you meet one or two people and that will be the highlight of that night.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, one thing we were always still keen on doing was we we do our own merch, so we sit behind the merch table and actually quite often people will like <laughs> chat to me and all like buy things from from me and, and not realize like I'm in the band, which is quite good. So, yeah, it's 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 that that I really miss. It's that kind of sense of community that I miss and and that's been difficult. Did you feel like you were working less like, cause you
0: know, just traveling that feels like, you know, that is graft, you know, that's yeah. kind of graft defined, but you know, doing everything from home, you know, you can be grafting just as much. You'll be spending as many hours as you would do traveling to a gig on emails, for example, or on social media or whatever, reaching out to people. Sure. Did you feel like you were kind of not working as hard
1: because of that? Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, one thing that, you kind of underappreciate i suppose or I don't, don't realize at the time is just how kind of exhausting touring is and being on the road a lot it's it's difficult physically like it's it's mentally quite difficult as well because you're physically exhausted um and it it does put a lot of strain on you um and that's yeah that's one thing i noticed it was like this i, I was i had a lot more energy which was a good thing but also i kind of quite quickly Early on in the pandemic, I was like, "I need to do something with this, like physical energy, um, and you know, it needs it needs to get burnt off." So I've, I've done a lot of, uh, I've done a lot of exercise and stuff. And actually, I'm I'm kind of healthier than I've ever been. You don't realise
0: it, don't you? Because when when you're travelling all the time, you get into that routine. It becomes the it becomes the norm, right?
1: Yeah, it's a weird weird groove that you get into because, like, you know, you'll you'll wake up, and you know, you you end up going to bed at, like. 1 or 2 a.m. or whatever and then you get up in the morning to like drive somewhere else and you're exhausted all day like just kind of catnapping in the van or whatever and then you get to the venue you've got like our back line is ridiculous it's so heavy you gotta like lug all of that stuff in and set it up and then all of a sudden you're like you know an hour before before stage time you just endorphins just kick in and you're wide awake and you're absolutely buzzing again and then you do the show and then you know you you're still you're up a height for hours and hours afterwards and like lying in bed with like my eyes open for a few hours trying to get to sleep knowing that I'm going to be feeling like hell um, in the morning yeah, yeah. just like trying to tell myself no really you 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 need to go to sleep you're really tired just just go to sleep so yeah there, there, there was there was that and yeah you, you obviously with the promotion of the album and stuff at home, there was there was none of that. But I got into this like weird, I had to stop myself doing it. Like at some point during last year, I was like, wow, you're sleeping a lot. I was sleeping for like over 10 hours a night. I was like, I can't. I fully support it. Yeah, I can't keep that. Up. But like after a while, at first I was like, this is great. And then after a couple of weeks of it, I like, I don't know whether it's cause or effect, but like my mental health started to like, I really felt a shift. And I was like, I, I think I'm, I need to cut back on the sleeping because I, I don't think it's... I, I felt like it was it was accelerating, like a, a poor negative health cycle. So I started to set an alarm in the morning. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think morning could be the
1: best time
0: when, when the sun's going down so early. You've got to make use of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. At the moment, I'm like really loathing the kind of just the darkness in the morning. I'm, yeah, I'm it's fun. poor
0: yeah it's all reminds you it all. reminds me of getting the bus at like 15 to school being like this is yeah the thing ever yeah it's, it's not yeah. very nice yeah <laughs> i'm sick i'm sick of it <laughs> so you're you know fantastic i'm so glad that you're being up for doing this because you know working at but well running box records and working at wipeout music everything that you just said there about touring and you know those that kind of day-to-day dynamic of playing music and you know, touring music, especially. You you must have met, you know, must have heard so many stories. And I wonder like how those kinds of relationships and, you know, how, how you understand how other bands, you know, work, how that's like affected you or how that's changed
1: the way you look at how you do things. I've always felt like I've been, for a long time, I've been in a pretty good position in terms of like day jobs because the day jobs that I've had for a long time have kind of been very sympathetic to um my need to you know do the band stuff um and be out on the road so I've always kind of had well not always had jobs where <laughs> we'll get to that i suppose but for for a long time i've 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 had jobs where I've been able to take in, enough time off to be able to go on the road and 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 do what I want to do basically and on that front. Um, and if I'd need to take unpaid leave, I'd, I'd just take unpaid leave, you know, um, yeah. And being able to do it or, or, you know, work remotely, you know, sometimes I'll, well, quite often, actually I'll, I'll have my laptop open in the van and I'll be doing emails or doing other bits and pieces that my day job requires.
0: Is that, are you quite good at that? Were you quite good at opening your laptop in the back of the van?
1: Yeah, because the more time I spend on the road, the kind of, this is going to sound awful but the last time i want to hear anyone else in the band talk in the van (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it's just you know i love them all very much but you know you like i said earlier you're exhausted you're tired everyone starts to get feel a bit you know you, you get irritated by like really small things and it's not because anyone else is doing anything particularly heinous it's it's just because you know you're in a funky mood so quite often i'll you know i'll take myself out of that situation because it's it's my issue rather than anyone else's and i'll just put headphones on and get my laptop open and just do some work and it kind of it redirects the uh focus of my attention um in a way that i think's healthier for everyone else i was going to say it sounds like a positive thing cuz you know you're working
0: towards something i think that's a good feeling
1: yeah totally and i and i and I love the work that I do. You know, my, my day job is, you know, something that I'm passionate about. Wipeout Music. It's, it's a, an independent publishing company to my knowledge. We're the only like full-time um, publishing company in the Northeast, if not like in a even wider region than that. There are three of us that, that work there and and we work really, really hard. And we work really hard for our, the, the bands on the roster and they're, and they're all independent bands,
0: you know, they're, they're bands of all yeah. kind of, you know, pretty broad range of genres in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest stack that we've got on the roster is Sleaford Mods and that, that's that been, you know, obviously they're hugely, hugely successful. And they're,
0: they're a beacon for, you know, me and a lot of people I know and, you know, into ind- independent music and doing things yourself and doing it well and, and you know, being yourself. I think
1: they're massively inspirational for that and I think
0: we need more... I I want more of that, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they've not really changed the, I mean, each album is different and you hear different developments and you hear different directions, but they, they never once really changed their blueprint too much. And, and I and I respect that, you know, um, they didn't look
0: like they've been like appeasing anyone.
1: No, absolutely not. From day one, they, they, they've presented themselves as exactly who they are. And, uh, their music reflects that as well. And there's a real, Honesty in it, and it's and it's genuine, you know. And I think that's why so many people have taken to it. You know what? On, on paper, you you know, if you if if you're trying to explain what the Sleaford Mods were to someone who's never heard them before, it kind of sounds insane and like it shouldn't work at all. Yeah, and it has no right to work, but it really, really does. And yeah, like I say, they they're just able to, you know, just being just so genuine. It really connects with people, yeah. And, and they've always they they've they've maintained this like amazing upward curve with it that's that's just kept going and going and going. And they they pick more and more people up as they go. And that's a really great thing. I you know a lot of, a lot of bands will kind of I don't know hit a point early on and then you know they've they've hit the ceiling. But with Leaford Mods, they've they've just kept going, which is is good.
0: Very John Peel vibe about them as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's new and it's different and it's weird and it's cool.
1: Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so, yeah, I, I respect them a lot. Um, How long have you been working with them for? So with Wipeout, I've been, I think I'm coming up to, well, I've just just gone past my four-year anniversary. So, obviously, we, we do the, the music publishing for Pigs as well, which is actually something we, we signed with Wipeout before... I started to work at Wipeout. So it's yeah, I get I get to kind of promote our music as well through that and, and try and try and seek seek out different opportunities for us. So we work with like bands from across like a a huge, huge range. Like some of them are just starting out and we we just like their music. Um some of them are a bit more further on down the line and 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 we take them and we we try and um what one thing that we do is aside from the publishing company i, I suppose is you know we'll, we'll try and help de- develop a band i suppose want for a better term you know if it a lot of the bands that that come to us if we if we enjoy their music uh, you know but they don't have like a manager or a booking agent and or a, or a record label we kind of We'll try and put them in touch with the right people, people that we work with and who we trust and who trust, you know, we trust they'll, they'll do a good job and they're a nice fit for them.
0: And that's so important because there's so many of these, you know, con people out there. And I think it's it easy to forget that, you know, looking at the Wipeout site made me so excited because I was like, fucking brilliant. There's still so much independent love and joy and, you know, like starting points out there.
1: Because I think it can be easy to forget that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, on the on the flip side, we've we've also had like we've got a lot of bands on the roster that have been on like major labels or major publishers, like huge publishing companies. Um, the the terms of the contract have have run out, and they they've you know we've had conversations with them where they just say, you know, we want to come to you and we're just happy that we know and we're confident that you'll put in work for us Um, and whatever happens happens you know something might happen but they've been on like bigger publishers where they've just sort of just sat and like just been like a really small fish in a, a really really big ocean and just felt completely cast aside and neglected but they still have the want to create and you know, be creative, make music. They still want to be a band, you know, which, and I, and again, like I admire that as well because I suppose it would be quite easy for, you know, a band to be on a, on a major publisher or whatever. And and and, and then their contract just runs out uh, or the the publisher's just like, no, this isn't working for us actually, you know, and for, for a band to be really, you know, set back by that and just go, oh, well, what's the use, you know? And publishing is like the, the the financial stability of
0: publishing is more prominent than record label advances, right?
1: Yeah, kinda. Um how does that work? Publishing
0: always publishing's always been a bit of a mystery to me.
1: Yeah, it is to a lot of people actually. It's a bit of a bit of a dark art. So what a publisher does is um traditionally with any commercially released piece of music, there are two aspects to the song. There is the master rights, which is you know the actual recording, which is usually owned by the record label, and then there's the publishing rights, and the publishing rights is the the composition, the composition of the song, right. the song writing, and uh, and a publisher they look after that side of things. So. Whenever a piece of music is played on radio or, you know, even you know, a gig or whatever, there in theory should be a royalty paid out to the band and to the publisher. So one of our jobs, the kind of bread and butter of what we do is to make sure that all of the royalties for the song and the songwriters are collected and administered properly. Um, so we do a lot of nagging of people, you know, where You know, we know there should be income from it and it just hasn't materialized. So we'll make sure that all of that money comes in. And then the other thing that we do is we'll look for opportunities to license a song within like film or TV or advertising or, you know, anywhere where anyone might want to be using a piece of music commercially. And that, yeah, that's the that's the other thing that we do. So can that be quite
0: tricky with the you know the bassist and the drummer, perhaps where they might not be on the writing credits? I mean, it's not your problem, is it?
1: It's it, it, it's up to each band how how they want to do that. Um, we don't really get involved with that. It's 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 completely the the band's decision how how they split their writing percentages is is up to them. There's a lot of bands that just regardless will split everything you know equally. Um, to me, like, you know, obviously I'm in a band and I think that's a fair way of doing things. I don't, I don't ever think the drummer or the bass player should get stiffed. However, other bands you know, decide that, well actually I I wrote the lyrics, I wrote the melody of the song so I deserve a bigger chunk. It's There's no right or wrong way to go about it, I guess. I mean, obviously I favour the kind of straight down the middle, everyone gets a piece of the pie because at the moment, you know, it's... <laughs> it's difficult enough making money from music anyway, you know? So it doesn't doesn't feel right that, you know, if the drummer's going to put in the hard yards going on tour and things, then they're they're getting a smaller, smaller cut of the, uh, the income as a whole. It, It doesn't sit right with me.
0: Yeah. And this is all pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Really? I mean, music's fun, but this
1: stuff, I mean, it's important to be serious about this. I guess so, yeah. I mean, it is all quite dry information I've just given you there, but... <laughs> no, yeah, but... I enjoy it because I think that's that's the
0: reality. You know, I think that is what this show is about, you know, part, part of it, definitely.
1: I mean, it is, yeah. It's all important stuff and it's all just... It's just extra income, I suppose, for, for, for bands at a time when everyone needs that little bit of extra income. So if we can do our bit in trying to help you know but some some of the but the, the, what's nice is like a lot of the bands that we work with like if we get them a a placement in in a TV show even if it's quite like what would be considered you know within the music industry as like a low fee for the license like they're just delighted mm-hmm. because like what what I spend a lot of my time doing is like we get emails from music supervisors with like briefs to TV shows that they're working on or for adverts that they're working on. And they apologize for like how low the budget is. But like, I'm looking at the the budget and it's like, no, that's like, even for like, you know, for a band like Pigs or whatever, like that's a decent amount of money. Like that money, you know, even if it's like a couple of thousand pounds, like that's money that is like, I don't know record, recording in a studio for two weeks, you know. Oh wow! Um, you know they. You know it, yeah. it, it, it's a game changer for a lot of bands on our level, but for the major record labels, then yeah, that is like a really, really low sum of money, and they're just like a lot of the time they'll just buy it away and go, oh, yeah, we're, we're not submitting music for that." Whereas, like, I'll look at it. Not that it's like we don't partake in the kind of race to the bottom licensing. Like we know when people are taking the piss you know when they'll touch and go oh this is all we've got for this and we're looking at it it's like no for for what you want to use the the music for that is that's taking the piss but for others it's like no that's don't apologize to me for this like that is that's good money and and that can help you know that might pay for a a van and a driver for a three week tour, you know, it's significant stuff. Like, and, and, and and that's the kind of like money that a lot of bands and like for a long time pigs as well, we were, we were kind of scrambling around to, to front ourselves, you know, we, we'd book a little tour and go, okay, well we need to pay for a van now ahead of the tour. Uh, or we need to pay for, you know, the ferry over to, amsterdam how do we do that we don't have we don't have the money to do it it's 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 hard like but a lot of the time we we just throw our own like personal you know you just throw personal funds into it and because that's why you you know we we didn't view it as like a a money-making thing at all like it was a miracle if we broke even for for years and years but we were having such a good time doing it it was like you know this is this is what we do it's you know, you just do it. Was there a, a relief when you started working at
0: Wipeout? Or you were at Amazing Radio before that as the head of music? Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well researched. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, I was. Know. Um and I and I was there for a a long time, actually. So And that was a kind of full time, that was a proper Yeah, 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 it was full time. But again, you know, I was in a situation whereby I could go away and do little tours here and there or, you know, go away and do gigs and festivals and things and there wasn't there wasn't much uproar about it but the thing is like i mean since since i was like 15 16 like being in a band that's like that, that is the priority like and and just playing music and having that release and doing it that's always been the number one so like i've always kind of approached other like Wipeout's very different because like I'm, I'm really, really passionate about it and you know, it's, it's a business, it's a small business. There's three of us work. Like I'm really part of that. And I'm like, I feel like I'm really helping build something, you know, whereas like other, other jobs, it's been like, felt like a bit like a means to an end. Like I need the job to be able to pay my rent, pay my bills or whatever. Or, I need that job to also give me the freedom to go out and do what I need to do. Because if I can't do that, I'll be get really, really miserable very, very quickly. And, um, you know, I had jobs early on, like you know, from 16 through to maybe like mid-20s where that was the case, you know. And it was like, nah, this isn't for me. Like, I, you know, I've walked away from... I just basically quit jobs if I if I wasn't able to get time off because there was a gig that I wanted to play.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: (laughs) which which makes me sound like well, I suppose I was like really unreliable. But like I was like, nah, like that is more important to me than this income, these wages. Like I I will I will work out how to do that stuff after doing this gig but if you don't let me you know I, I need to i need to walk away now and i need to i want to do these gigs yeah and then yeah i'll work out how i'm gonna pay my rent after that you know that that's always been the thing so yeah but amazing radio again was was really good because you know obviously that's a that's a business all about new music as well yeah yeah well, new music at it's core so you know i was i was able to do what i needed to do there but yeah before that i had a few jobs where that wasn't the case so like, i kind of just walked away from them i was just like never again i'm gonna try and bide my time and find something uh that that fits but i think like in terms of finding those jobs i think like longevity goes a long way. I was able to show, you know, when you like, you're applying for, for such jobs, it's like, oh no, this guy's been doing this for years. Just like off his own back, just, you know, being in bands for several years and just, just doing it and just putting out records on box records and things. And like, I had enough evidence to show that like, yeah, I've been doing this for ages. I might not know how to do, everything and i don't know the music industry in and out that's not the point like you know i suppose it just i had enough evidence to prove that i was dedicated to it i suppose and and that goes a long way which is like i suppose it's it's, my heart goes out to people who uh in fact again i went i went through this same process like you come out of like you obviously music courses and performing arts courses and and arts courses I suppose at universities and colleges they're immensely popular you know they'll they'll fill the quota of students up year on year it's not like it's a really dull subject there's always going to be like mountains of people that yeah I want to work in the music industry or I want to be a musician I want to be an artist and uh, you know I I, want to create and I want that to be my life and and i understand that and why not like people should have those dreams and ambitions it's that's that's right to have that but where i think there's a there's a real shame in that like these these courses and these institutions the universities and colleges they they're run as businesses they're money making machines right yeah yeah, you know and so they'll put a lot of money into these courses you know to be able to take on so many hundred students and 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 they'll always keep like developing bigger performing arts um places and and things like that so they can take on more students because they know that the demand is there for those courses mm-hmm. yeah and then all that happens is that like you know you, you you have a decent enough time like studying that stuff and doing that stuff and they'll know all of a sudden it just comes to an end and you're like right like you know, as, as my parents would say, you're in the real world now. And it's like, okay, well, I've gotten my degree in music production. What do I do now? Like how, how how do I get a job in the music industry with these qualifications? And it's, it's like, Oh my goodness. Like the, the just the vacancies aren't there. The jobs aren't there. Yeah. And, and, and where'd you go? Like that period of time from like, ending college I did a foundation degree in music production and then like the the, the few years after that were just on reflection like really really not a nice time like you know it, it was such a confusing time and it's and 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 you and you just, you needed a job I needed a job what I did was I, I moved from Newcastle to Manchester because I was in a band at the time and again it's you know that kind of well that this is my number one thing this is what i do Mm. um i was in a band at the time but they were based in the northwest and they were finishing uni at the same time and they were in preston uni so we were like well why don't we all move to manchester and have a go at being a band and wow that became like a you know we did some really cool stuff but also like it was a really, really confusing and stressful time for me. I, I moved from Newcastle to Manchester, rented a place, didn't have a job. So, you know, it was my first kind of dip into the the world of the, the benefit system yeah. that was there at the time. And like you'd go, go, in, the, go in the job centre every week and kind of, you know, oh, I've applied for these jobs this week and them sending you on cv writing courses and stuff like that and and at the time I was like no look well I I, I was desperate for a job because I was like how, how on earth am I going to pay my rent um you know I got housing benefit and stuff but it didn't go very far at all in the
0: period of time that you're supposed to be doing these
1: things with the band yeah absolutely yeah so I mean that was kind of my first real sense of this like friction it's like okay how how on earth does this work yeah. in reality? Like, how does this work? There are no, I remember I tried, I tried to, I was applying for jobs at like XFM and stuff like that in Manchester. And, you know, there must be hundreds and thousands of people applying for vacancies at the radio stations at any given moment in time. Um, so I was just like looking for things that, you know, just working in a cafe or whatever. And they'd look at your CV and I did get I quite often I was getting that like that classic line of like we think you're too qualified. Okay. And it's like, yeah. what on earth? Yeah. I started taking off like that I had a degree in music production. I started taking it off my C V really and getting better reaction because it wasn't on there. Wow. Which is wild, isn't it? But I think, yeah, it's such a it's such a weird time that because you got a lot of people coming out of like performing arts courses and or, or or arts courses with degrees and things. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got to, you know, student loans and things stop. And it's like, I've got to get a run of the mill job now. And that's not what I'm trained to do. That's not where I envisage this going. And it can be a real, real downer, but you've, you've got to try and change your mentality a little bit and just see like the run of the mill jobs as like, no, this is a means to an end. This is, you know, this, this means I can carry on doing what I'm passionate about. And hopefully if you keep, if you keep pushing it, if you keep pushing your passion, like I'm convinced over time, it might happen more quickly for some people. It might take years and years and years for others, but it good, cool stuff happens and you've just got to appreciate those moments when they do happen because they might not happen again and just just keep just keep gently massaging it and just keep it keep it loose but keep it going and keep it going forward. But that's like a really difficult thing to do when you start, you know, working eight or nine hours a day and then oh I've got band practice tonight or oh, I'm exhausted.
0: Yeah. I feel like everyone I know has that. Or like ninety percent of people I know have that thing where it's you know you might have a chat and be like, "Mate, I'm so down because
1: I don't yeah. want this job that I'm working yeah, every yeah. day right now. I don't like it. They don't like me. What do yeah. I do? It's hard working. It like, yeah, and, and and obviously, then you know, once you get into that kind of negative funk as well, it 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 then imposes itself on your ability to create as well yeah, and be creative, be yourself. and it just becomes this like really toxic." cycle but it's 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 hard but like there's not many situations that are ideal anyway I guess I mean this year you know it's gotten to prove that to me as well and and at one point I was having like um some counseling sessions which I benefited from a lot and I spent a lot of time talking to my therapist about like I was like you know music's my number one that's my release that's that's my thing and it's gone and I can't do that now. And now I feel like a few months into it, it's really starting to, I'm really starting to feel the effects of it. And she was like, well, at one point, <laughs> at one point she just said, why aren't you making any music? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, well, I did I did try to make some quite early on in the pandemic, just on my own yeah, at, at home. Which is something I'm, you know, I'd not been familiar with at all. I've always been in bands and created with other people. Yeah. It's been really collaborative. So sitting down at like my computer with my synthesizer or whatever next to me and a microphone, I was like, this is so alien to me. It felt really weird. But I started to put together like little bits and pieces that I was like, fairly happy with, or at least I surprised myself. I was like, oh, there's something in this. But then my mind started to like tick faster toward like too fast. And again, this is something that I've realized I've got within myself that I kind of need to recognize and and try and pull it back a little bit. I, I suppose it kind of relates to that initial initial topics that we were discussing earlier on. I wanting like, to just do it now. Don't go too far ahead of yourself. I yeah. was like, because I started thinking, I was like, okay, well, how would I play this live? And yeah, who would I need to be able to do this? And it's like, what, I, what am I doing? Like, I've just made a couple of demos on my computer. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to think about how to play it live. Like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. make it, just yeah. make it, and enjoy it, and get some sort of satisfaction out of it. I recognised that that's why I'd stopped making music on my own early on in the pandemic and gone months and months without doing it. So I, you know, I, I tried it again. I, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. And I've got some bits and pieces together that I'm quite happy with. They need a lot of work still, but you know, and, I, and I've gone off it again. I've, I've not touched it for a couple of months, but oh, maybe, maybe about a month. For me, that kind of attitude, it, there's a lot of like, I think it's
0: good to have a, a, a fair bit, of humility about it you know and kind of seeing yourself and just being like you know trying not to think too hard about it and having a laugh with it to
1: an extent yeah totally because i mean although i i say that pigs was for a long time it was just a thing we did for you know the pure joy of doing it like you know after king of cowards got fairly you know a relative amount of success you do start to there's a trap that you can fall into whereby you start to the schema of your thoughts starts to become, well, you know, what, well, what is this piece of music for? Can it be like a single or can it be, or what, you know, and you, and you start, you, you, your thought patterns start to change and mold into that kind of, I suppose, music industry way of thinking. And I don't particularly think as like a musician, that's, It's not a good thing for me, personally, anyway, to to kind of get too locked into. You know, I I really do need to just keep reminding myself, like, well, why are you doing this? Self-satisfaction, really. Yeah, Yeah. That's that's all it is. Yeah. And
0: looking back to that time in kind of Manchester, I,
1: I presume you're in a, you know, a much better place now. Yeah, 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 I am. I mean, at the time, like, Manchester was a really big unfamiliar city to me Uh, like I moved there and I didn't know anyone outside of you know the the four other people I was in a band with which was strange because like I lived in Newcastle before then and had like a really quite big social network you know we were you know I was part of the the music scene I suppose um you know uh, I knew people would go to gigs with people up here and I missed that when I moved to Manchester you know, gradually I, I started to meet other people. You know, that that happens. It's, you know, it's a natural thing. But it's part of that kind of, you know, you just got to continue doing what you know. If you want to go to gigs, just go to gigs. Go yeah. to a gig on your own. Like, yeah. if you do that enough times, you start to see the same people at, at these gigs and you just end up talking and making friends and things. But, you know, it would be quite easy to just kind of move to a new city and go, I don't know anyone I'm not going anywhere but yeah it was a weird time in manchester it was and i was like perpetually skint um so <laughs> couldn't do a lot to enjoy myself but like the band that we were in we did some cool stuff you know it, it was hard at times and really challenging and stressful um but we ended up like signing to ninja tune which oh, is wow. nuts yeah absolutely nuts big deal yeah 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 it totally was at the time and then like again like on reflection i've been thinking about it a lot recently actually at the time i was like oh brilliant we have signed to ninja tune and now you know this is it this is finally i won't need a day job yeah i'll make enough money from music to be able to sustain myself and Again, that was just like a totally warped <laughs> yeah. Yeah. version of how I thought the music industry was because I was like, you know, Ninja Tunes is a really big label and, you know, this and this and this is just all going to magically fall into place for us now. And it kind of didn't, you know, we, re- we released an album and it did okay when we, we toured, you know, we I was that was the first time I was able to like tour mainland Europe and stuff and that was excellent in itself, but... We weren't, we weren't making like if we weren't making any money really. We were like permanently in the in the red with it, and we did that for a few years, and it all kind of folded in on itself. But it was that kind of, I suppose, kind of moving along with it, and then getting to a point where it was like all of these things that I thought would happen haven't happened, and that happened. Right. I think all of us in the band had that sort of under, you know, it was underlying that kind of like. We've not really, we've not really done it, have we? And that's sad. And and again, it just started, it just started to become like a kind of stressful and sad thing. Music should never be that. W- was that around the time that you worked at the service station before this chat? Yeah. For anyone listening, no, the No, that was, a, that was a little bit after that. That was the the service station was kind of my first proper job. So what I ended up doing was I I went to. Newcastle no Northumbria University to study uh psychology back in Newcastle was that the campus yeah 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 I kind of ended up like music like the age of 15 it had always been my number one but I felt like I could never um I didn't have my foot in the door in terms of like the educational side of it and the qualifications and things like that so because I didn't I, and again i I feel like this is something that you know I've got this theory about like education and and things and how they they make people like jump through hoops for their own benefits because it's all statistical it, like it's all they they want like x amount of people from from secondary school they want you know so so many percent of those people they want to push into, like sixth form to do their A levels. Because it looks good for the school stats, and that's what they need, and that's what the government want, and that's what they need to prove to be able to get decent funding. And then when you're at sixth form, they want to push you into university straight away, and you're still at an age where you're just like you're still figuring things out, like you don't know what on earth you want to do. Like at that age, what sixteen, and they're like. Oh, well, okay, pick some subjects to do for GCSE. I was like, right, yeah. I don't know. So I ended up doing like, when I was 15, they, they got us to pick uh, our courses and they kind of bracketed everything. They put everything into like categories. So oddly, like music was in the same block as um, PE. And uh, and I was just starting to kind of get into music at the time and play drums in a, in a couple of bands. But I was like, oh, well, I don't think I'm good enough you know, to, to do music at GCSE level. Like that's Mm. for people who play the flute and have done the grades or whatever, you know, it was that sort of thing. And that's kind of how they present it. I was like, well, I'm in the football team. I like doing sports. I'll do PE. So, you know, at GCSE level, that was me PE. And then, um, you know, and then it becomes, okay, so you're going to do all right in your GCSEs. You don't, you know, you need to go and do your A levels now. You know, and it's like, oh God, okay, well I suppose I suppose I can't do music because I've not done it at GCSE level, so I'll do I don't know, psychology seems pretty interesting. I'll do that, I'll do sociology, I enjoy history, I'll do that. And then, you know, it, it became the same conversation when you're getting close to doing your A levels. It's like, Oh well, we think you're gonna do all right, so you need to go to university this year, you need to go mm. like, oh, God's sake, okay, well I do kind of like psychology. That's that's kind of interesting. I suppose I'll do that. And then, you know, I just fell through those, you know, I just jumped through those hoops at you know, every stage and then ended up sat in a lecture theater at, at Northumbria Uni doing psychology. And like, I was like, what on earth am I, how have I ended up here? Like yeah. what, am I, what am I doing with myself? Like, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to make music. I want to, that's where, you know, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. So I ended up, like, plucking up. Like, at the time, I thought it was, like, a really big deal. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to tell my parents that I'm going to drop out of university because I want to study music somehow. And actually, I'd, I'd found a course at uh, Newcastle College, the music production course, where it was, like, they didn't they didn't need any, like, hard and fast or traditional music qualifications. I just needed to be able to, like, show evidence that i was who i said i was i suppose and you know i'd been in bands since i was 16 i'd done this and that or whatever and just had a had a dedication to it um i had to take some like little kind of little exams just to i think prove that i had ears um (laughs) but then you know but i built it up in my head as like a really big thing i tell my parents i was going to drop out of university to go and do some music course at the college and uh I did it and, and they were like, oh, all right then. Yeah, that's what you want to do. I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's it. When I dropped out of university, there was like uh, about a, a year's worth of like time that I had before starting the, um, the, the course at the college. So I was like, well, my parents were like, well, you need to get a job in between that. I was Like, yeah. Okay. No bother. Um, so I got a job at a service station, and uh, my goodness, that is the one. That's the one where I've kind of gone. I am never, I'm never ever. I cannot bring myself to work for like a big corporation and just be, tre- like this. This is just horrible. Like I just felt you just. You're just a number, man. Like you're just like there's no, there's absolutely no soul in the job. And this isn't to say, like you know, I don't think I'm any better than anyone that works in these jobs at all. You know, if if if, if you're in these jobs and you work in them and you have to work them, then that's fine. Don't beat yourself up about it. Like you are you're a human being and you are worthy of respect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as you maintain that and like, yeah, I am. And don't let it beat you up. Like, like I say, I'm not, I'm not any better than anyone that, you know, that, that works in, in, in these jobs. And I, I've been there for myself, but I was at a point where I was like, I, I'm never going to, I'm going to leave here. And I am never going to go back into a job like this again, because it the forces at work in those places are too powerful for me to be able to like to battle like it made me miserable it made like just so miserable and I just started like drinking a lot like just that was my escape from it it was at a time when like a lot of my friends were away at university and and just having a living that kind of student lifestyle and, and I was like oh man, I'm here like working nine hours a day in this wretched place. Like it was like, it was just awful. It was, it felt like a portal to like, not hell, but just something else. Like just some really like, just really miserable, melancholic place. Like everyone or most people that go into like service stations, especially during weekdays, because they're not going anywhere fun if they're going in there in the weekday. Usually they're like traveling salesmen or whatever, and they're just as miserable <laughs> and bitter about their lives it as you are. Just perception of life, yeah. So it just feels like a breeding ground of like misery and bitterness, and so they're just having pops at you about how how expensive the coffee and the, the sausage rolls are. It's like, uh, mate, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not setting the prices here, right? I'm on like minimum wage. Like this, and let me tell you, I've, I've I've done the numbers, mate. They are making a, a gross markup on these sausage rolls. It's disgusting. I tell you who the problem is, mate. It's not me. It's you. If you don't like it, yeah. stop yeah. buying this yeah. shit, yeah. <laughs> and they'll soon
0: change it, so right? You like need some th- sympathy when you're on tour, then to service station people.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. We've got our favourites, actually. But um, yeah, I do. Occasionally, we have to... Not often, because the service station that I worked at is quite close to home. So, we don't often have to stop there, but occasionally we'll have to stop there because someone will need the toilet or whatever and just can't hold it in any longer. And it just, when I'm stepping into that place, I get this feeling. It's like someone's putting a blanket of like just sorrow over me. And like I'll glance around and I can see like some people that still are working there. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. And I hope they're okay. I hope they're okay inside. I hope they're still. Got a bit of fight left in them because I know <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd have surrendered by that point. This the stories you've got with Natalie and Brulia and Darren Brown and Paul Daniels, that's not from there, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Totally. So I tell you what, Natalie and Brulia, what a ray of light. I think she boosted my morale enough to just see me over that final few <laughs> months while I was there. Because it was it was <laughs> so i was I was working like a late shift it was quite late on it was it was maybe about like ten p m at night and it's all it was always like quite quiet around that time anyway and I was on my own working in there and, and i know uh, I was doing something really mundane i don't know probably scraping milk froth out of a, on the side of one of the jars of the jugs that we had and uh, and I turned round and there was just this like a really radiant lady stood at the counter, like just you know when you look at someone and you're just like, are you, are you from a different planet? Like you're not the same as me because, like, <laughs> I instantly felt like I was in some like some sort of like Lord of the Rings setting or so I don't know, like some sort of fantasy thing where like just I'd been I'd been approached by some celestial being and I was just like this like hobgoblin. Or something <laughs> it's like really earthly mythical creature I, I don't really have any like really fun story to tell her but she was just so polite and i like looked at her and i was like i recognize her but i don't know why so i asked you know i went through the the customer service routine and uh and 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 just just asked her what she wanted politely I think I even tried to upsell her on a couple of things because she always had to you were meant to upsell people, you know, would you like a large for an extra thirty pence or whatever? And I went through that and then I was like making she she wanted a latte to take away. I remember that. And uh and I turned around and I like looked and 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 by that point there was a couple of people stood behind her and they had lanyards on. And it said like (laughs) Natalie and Brulia on her. On on these lanyards and and uh, oh yeah and obviously she had like an Australian accent as well which was like another thing that prompted me to think like this is this is not yeah, this is not a normal being. person yeah yeah, yeah so um, yeah that was exciting she she wanted uh, a cheese and tomato toasty and I tell you what that is the best cheese and tomato toasty I've ever made for anyone and I feel like she she deserved it. And she just she was very smiley and she said please and thank you. But it all felt very genuine and from the heart. But do you know what the most like frustrating thing about the whole thing was that I once I realized it was Natalie and Bruglia, I, I still couldn't break out of the customer service routine. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't break out. I couldn't there was like a voice shouting in my brain, just like just just I don't know. We've just ask her for an autograph or a picture or something, and I just could not. I just, I just kept going. You know, I just kept going. Would you like a cup holder? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, then she just, and then, and just as you know, just as quickly as she appeared, she just sort of disappeared into ether <laughs> again. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. Man, that's a
0: brilliant story.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, Paul Daniels. Yeah, less inspiring uh, interaction with Paul Daniels. He felt more like a traveling salesman. He he had (laughs) he had not a lot of enthusiasm (laughs) left in the tank. I don't think he was just. And this is a guy because when I saw him, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like I saw him in the queue, and I was like, "There was a few people working it at time." I was like, "I hope." I get him on my till because I had the Paul Daniels, um, the magic set. There was like a like a, a box set, a magic set, um, when I was a kid, and I got it for Christmas. It uh, must have been about five years old, and I loved it, but I never really, like, probably learned any of the magic tricks. I just used to, like, wave the wand around <laughs> and stuff, but I, I had endless Brilliant. fun with it anyway and and I, and I thought about that when I saw him I was like oh my goodness this is big this is huge and then he got he got and he was just rude there was no please and thank yous he was just like he looked like he hadn't smiled in decades you remember <laughs> and, that about
0: him that'll, that'll sort of probably like inform your judgement of him from now on right or from then on I think
1: yeah definitely well the thing is about him and I don't know if this says something about me because because of the way he was, I was able to break out of the uh, the customer the customer service thing. So I asked him for his autograph. I was like, Oh give you yeah, get your autograph and he was just like, Yeah. And he just That's thought, brilliant. Oh my god. Brilliant. Like, oh come on, give it give it something, mate. He looked like he, he, he could brilliant oh, brilliant. Just, brilliant. Yeah. Matt, I've
0: I've loved these stories. I tend to keep these chats for about an hour. I I feel like we could chat for hours more, which I feel like, you know, is a dangerous game, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is, yeah.
0: Especially at the moment. Like I've you know, I barely talk to anyone at the moment. <laughs> I really, really value, you know, chatting to people on the phone these days.
1: Yeah, it's me really too. Nice. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I should probably do do more of that actually at the moment. So I start I've started to feel the pinch again this yeah. week with just like this feeling of like, yeah. Oh yeah. God. But well, This has lifted me though. This has been good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Cause
0: you know, viscerals is, is such an incredible album and I'm so, you know, I've listened to a lot more records in the last 12 months.
1: Yeah. It's just, yeah, you know, the too.
0: time and, you know, we touched on it earlier and, and uh, you know, it, everyone is going to feel very self-conscious about talking about the positive sides of what's going on just because there's you know everyone in you know hospitals alone you know but it is important i think it is important you know it's really important for us to think about well that's good this is good because otherwise you know we we, we'll
1: have nothing left to be excited about well that's it and like and then you kind of i've had this thing where i've been like trying to be mindful of like well all right then come on what what have you learned Mm. about yourself and what have you know what can you take from all of these months and months and months and take it and have a space for that in your life when things start to go a bit more frantic again and there's been a few things that you know we I've probably touched on today, but like you know how how am i gonna how am I gonna carve that space for mm. myself because it's 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 really yeah. important like you know i I've still got and I probably will for a very long time. I'll have my day job at Wipeout, I'll do the music, I'll go on tours, I'll work, 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 work. But it's a really intense schedule. And like, so I, I need to carve time for myself where, you know, as much as I enjoy both of those things, I need to step back from it from time to time and have just a little bubble of like, now this is, you know, this is just for me to be, on my own and just enjoy my own company because for years I've just been like constantly surrounded by people which is nice but also you lose a part of yourself as well if you don't have that such a life skill to learn to learn to enjoy your own company it is yeah it's not it's not easy either like because you know it's we've got so many things at play I mean I could on for ages about this, but there's like, so many things at play within our society and within, especially like the way technology is developing and social media and, and apps on phones and things like that, that they're all designed to keep your attention and like hold you and like keep you using whatever app it is. And whilst you're doing that, you're just distracting yourself from yourself, basically. Absolutely.
0: I've just started running and I, I use Strava for a bit because I guess i wanted to see how far i was running or whatever you know the usual shit and
1: then afterwards i was like no this is my time to unplug yeah 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 there's so many things that make themselves feel like you know they they're invaluable like you, you have to have them to be able yeah, to go yeah, for yeah. a run you don't need it at all do some yoga or whatever or or even just yeah. like read a book you're like, oh, you're yeah yeah for that so i no, nah, <laughs> I, I don't i don't i don't I in fact if anything i need to put my phone in a shoebox and leave, leave it to one side for a few hours and just totally, you know, I've tried to do that's something else I've tried to do and train myself into, which has been like really difficult but like just step away from my phone and I leave it on my desk and if I don't need it at all I don't need it, like, but then I found like there were these like weird moments in time where I'd sit down on the couch and I'd just sit and I'd be like <laughs> this is weird, and then I realised that like that's those it's those moments where i'd sit down to rest but i'd pull my phone out and it's i'll just open up twitter and just start scrolling through stuff
0: it's gotta be bad for your heart that i'm sure
1: yeah 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 your heart rate just go crazy yeah exactly yeah At at a time when otherwise you'd just be looking to kind of lower your blood pressure yeah exactly and i've enjoyed your radio show oh thank you and so that must be a nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, that started out, you know, beginning the pandemic almost. I was like, well, I've got loads of spare time now. It's something that I used to do anyway, at amazing radio and enjoyed doing it. So um, was being a broadcaster ever a, a
0: sort of idea? Because I always thought that makes sense to play in bands. And I've got a show on Soho Radio, which I've been doing for a couple of years. And I, I love it. Um, it's called Modern Lovers. And it's on at eight in the morning. So I do play some heavier stuff towards the end of the hour. (laughs) But at eight in the morning on a Tuesday, I play a lot of folk and chill out stuff. But that has has been a massive thing for me. I, I look at, you know, modern lovers in the same way that I think about or would think about being in a band. You know, I'm enjoying it in the moment. Obviously, some people do it and make money from it. But I'm not really thinking about that. I'm just thinking about enjoying it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, all, all I want from it really is just like a, a positive way to spend some of my time and you know, some, of, some of the extra time that I've had, um, you know, and I play a lot of bands on there that, you know, would otherwise struggle to get played on radio shows and things. And you know, it's just stuff that I come across that I like. It doesn't really matter to me like what label it's on or what, you know, it's just just good music, really, and and yeah. I
0: write a new music column for the i Paper on Fridays, and I've been doing it for oh, cool. seven okay. years now, which is crazy. Um, but only two or three years ago did I really start. I think when I wrote it before because I, I didn't go into the office and i didn't really know my editor that well it kind of felt like a bit you know it was a bit like a dull thud every time i did it i was like oh, this doesn't actually mean anything <laughs> um but it really in the last <laughs> few years i've really yeah. thought you know a lot of bands you know i have exactly the same outlook i'm putting on a lot of bands I don't, I don't care what they are who they are what they look like what label they're on it's like yeah,
1: yeah, if this, yeah
0: if it's a good tune i don't mind if it's hip-hop or soul or r&b or if it's something that I'm naturally into yeah. like heavier guitar stuff. And I and I love doing that. And I and I, I really feel like a duty now more than ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't underestimate the um the the, the power of that and the impact it has totally. on on people. Um, especially if it's like a band or an artist that are just starting mm-hmm. out. And you know it—it it, it can mean the world to people. Definitely. It really can, like, you know, lift people's spirits and, and give them that extra push and motivation to to carry on doing things. It's it's yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing.
0: Yeah, totally. And I I think that's maybe something we can all take in our day to day lives, whether we are doing a radio show or if if we if we are in a band or just as a friend. I think that's a really important thing. You know, my favorite texts to receive are like, check out this album with a Spotify link. I love that. You know, that's happened a lot yeah. this lockdown. Yeah. And I'm kind of in the same way like um one of my new year's resolutions is you know if if you're thinking of someone give them a shout. We, we all have the ability to 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 like should embrace
1: that. Yeah, I
0: mean it's hard sometimes and sometimes you you, you you I often think like oh that person doesn't want to hear from me. <laughs> but fuck it, who cares? <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. But Yeah, yeah brilliant totally. Matt. Thank you so much for being up for this. It's been awesome to hear those stories and um you know, hear, hear about the working life. Cause I think that's, that's the, uh, another thing I was so excited, you know, I'm so glad that to speak to you about is, you know, a, a job in
1: independent music such as Wipeout. That's very cool. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate um to have it and i appreciate having it every day like i I never ever go to the office or well you know not at the moment but um i'll never ever be doing that job and just feeling down about it or feel like i'm wasting my time or or anything like that i feel like i'm doing something very very positive and worthwhile with it so there he is matt Beatty
0: of pigs 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 absolute sweetheart lovely guy to chat to can't believe such a voice could come out of that lovely man thank you so much for listening and as i mentioned at the start if you have any funny stories that you'd like to read out on this show send me a voice note at 101 part-time jobs podcast at gmail.com and we'll get it in a future episode thanks for listening this episode was edited by sophie porter here's cocksparra i've been working all day on the side running around like a blue ass fly i've been working yeah i've been working This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.